Thank you, guys. Thank you. Morning, everyone. How are we? You all doing okay? All right. Uh, my name is Jim. I'm one of the pastors here. Ah, uh, sad news. Uh, you know, we're five years into this church thing uh, here, Ascent, and we finally, you know how churches end up in all kinds of scandals and hard things, and we finally hit ours. Uh, we got a couple of them. And I want to start by telling you about them. First of all, uh, one has to do with pastor clothing. Um, I, I want you to look at this jersey. Um, I've had a lot of comments this morning on this jersey, and I want you to read this. And, and I want you to notice there is not an S at the end of this word. It doesn't say nationals. It says national. It's a National League all-star jersey for our boy Aaron Arenado, uh, Nolan Arenado. So today's the day, right? Come on, man. we got to win this game. So that's, that's one scandal put to bed. We're not talking about that ever again. And then uh, the other scandal, big scandal, is, is the question, is Ascent really, is Ascent selling out? The answer to that is yes. We're selling banners now. Um, if you want to sponsor today's worship service with your business, $5,000 gets you a banner up there. You feel great about it. Lots of advertising. Uh, that has nothing to do, those banners have nothing to do with the fact that we're hosting uh, the I Have a Dream Foundation's annual fundraising banquet this Thursday to help kids get to college. Uh, that, th those don't have anything to do with that, so at all, yeah. Uh, I'm kidding. We're, we're, psyched to, we're psyched to be hosting that and uh, really cool stuff going on around here right now. So uh, good morning. I, I want to start by reading a passage, and I want you to hear this, and then we're going we're gonna to tee off uh, the sermon series, keep going with the sermon series that we're doing that I'm really excited about. I've been, I've been noticing in me during the sermon series that I have a real passion for this topic that we talk about. Hopefully I always have passion about what we're talking about, but there's some that are, you know, a little bit more so. This one's more so for me. And so let me, let me show you this passage, and then we're going to dive into um, where we're going. This is, this, the context of this is in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is out, and he's teaching, and, and he's healing people, and people are taking notice. And I just, I, it's such a cool passage to read. It says, the report of his power, the report of Jesus' power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Can you imagine this guy can't go anywhere without just a massive group of people following him. And then it says, but then look at this. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer, right? in the kind of height of his fame, in the height of uh, the crowds and people adoring him and telling him how great he is, and man, how, mon how many of us would then want to hide then and, and shrink back and, and then find a place of solitude with God during that time when we can soak in kind of the admiration of other people? But that's what Jesus did. It says he withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And you see this over and over again. You see in the life of Jesus him constantly somehow finding, carving time to remove himself and connect with God. So the series that we're talking about is called Invisible God. This is the third week. And where we're going with this is trying to continue to talk through how do you, how do I actually love, not just, you know, hear about, know about, talk about, 
how do we actually take it into a relationship, a, a love of a God that we can't see, we can't touch, we can't hear? You know, and so we, um, some of us might feel sometimes like, wow, everybody else, I go to church and it feels like everybody else has this kind of neat relationship with God and yet I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. What the point of this series is to try to get us to a place where we're actually understanding for ourselves what it means to love a God that we can't see. That's, that's the hope. Today, today I'm going to get, I hope, really practical with you. I might even overload you a little bit with some practical ideas on how we connect to God. Uh, I want to start, though, just by giving you an idea. Because I, what I want to do today, I want to I propose that you are uniquely wired to love God in a way that's different than other people. And there's a danger that we might assume that there's just one way to connect to God and there's not multiple ways that God has designed for us to connect to him. Um, think of it this way. Some of you, and man, here's a, here's a book recommendation for you. If you are, uh, if you're married or you want to get married someday or if you are interested in having a good relationship with another human being, okay, anybody fall in that category? Um, here's a book to read. It's called The Five Love Languages. Some of you guys maybe heard of this or read this before. Easy read. It's worth picking up and checking out. The whole premise of the book is that the way that you hear love from other people may not be the way that other people experience love. So, for instance, is I, I experience love. You know, somebody gives me like a hug or a kiss, like, like that I, physical touch is a way I experience love. Would it, it might be a mistake for me, though, to think, oh, since I experience love this way, then everybody else does too. So if I go around hugging and kissing everybody, may not be a really good strategy. But it, especially, like, if I'm, if I'm assuming, well, that's how I experience love, so everybody else must experience it that way. So, right, my poor wife, that's not her love language. Karen's love language is to have time spent with her, to make decisions together, to... Um, you know, when, when she's in the garden, for me to go out and do that with her, guard, like that's, that man tells her I love her. Not necessarily me hugging her, kissing her. She wants, she wants quality time. But sometimes I fail in actually figuring out what her love language is or remembering to do it well. Here's an example. So at the beginning of the summer, we, uh, we have this house that has a ton of, pro- I mean, it's like a massive project. We love it. But there's so many projects everywhere. And we identified at the beginning of the summer a ton of landscaping projects that we needed to do. And it was going to take a ton of dirt. But one of the things that Karen wanted the most out of the landscaping project was she wanted this vegetable garden. So we've got these little wooden things built. and You, you know, dump all the dirt in there. And she's going to uh, grow tomatoes and whatever. And we're going to eat those things. So, <laughs> so we, we build this thing. We're all set. And Karen says, you know, we've got to go down to Pioneer together. 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 And figure out... Um, how, what kind of dirt would be best, and let's, let's get the dirt here and deliver it, and then we can put it in there. And, um, so Karen wants to do that together. So one of my little principles in life is, um, while Karen's is together, mine's is efficiency, okay? I want to do things fast and then move on, and man, you can show me you love me by just doing something fast and getting done with it, and then we move on. Love that. So one day... I happen to find myself in my car on Dillon Road in 287. There's Pioneer. Like, 
Karen's not with me, but hey, I, for the sake of efficiency, and surely everybody can, you know, will love this, I'm going to stop in and I'm just going to order the stuff. So I go in, I stop, I, I head in the office, I see the little guy at the counter, and I say, look, here's what I want. I just want the soil that it will make anything grow. Like, I, I want your top soil for growing anything. Give me your best stuff. So he pulls out his little list, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's ranked according to cost. And so he goes like this all the way to the bottom, right? Most expensive soil. I don't care. Great. Just give me your best soil. And so he does. I buy the most expensive soil. And so two, I think Karen is going to love me. So two days later, sure, the guy tells me, he's like, oh, this is pretty expensive. But I, I don't care. How much is it going to be? 500 bucks to have four yards of soil delivered to you. All right, 500 bucks. Sure, just deliver it. That's fine. Two days later, the, um, the truck pulls up out in front. Big truck. You guys have done this happen, you know. <laughs> dumps all the stuff. I've got this huge mound of dirt on our driveway now. Karen says to me, what kind of dirt is this? It's the best. This, this is the best thing Pioneer has. Pioneer does not have any better dirt than this. This is the most expensive. Oh, my God, you're going to love this. It's going to grow our pumpkin. I mean, everything's going to be incredible in this garden. Do you remember what it's called? No, I'm starting to get a little annoyed now, okay? Hey, Mr. Efficiency came through in the clutch, so don't question him. So, but she wants to find out more. I'm like, that's fine. Just get on their website. You look down. Just look for the most expensive one, and that will tell you exactly what it is. She goes to the bottom. She finds it. It's something called Biocomp. So she goes online, and she does a little research. And let's see, where did I put that? She finds Biocomp, and here's a little review on Biocomp. It says, um, it says I would be concerned about Biocomp. <laughs> it's made from biosolids. In other words, it's human waste from the treatment plant. Okay, catch that. I have a $500 pile of human poop on my driveway right now. Okay, do you get what I'm saying? Oh, I'm still burning. Colorado State University says not to use them with root crops. That means no potatoes, carrots, beets, etc., which covers a lot. Personally, I would be very uncomfortable using biosolids in any garden. Dang it. Okay, question for you. Whose fault is, guess whose fault this is going to be now, okay? It's Pioneer's fault, okay? If some of you thought this was my fault. This is Pioneer's fault. No, this didn't go over well. Um, so we take the pile and we spread it out in the, gar- or in the grass over all kinds of stuff. And then we take the bio-human poop dirt and we put it into her cool little garden things that she now can't plant. So if you come over to our house, we have all these like future garden things with the um, soil in it because what we're going to do next year when we can afford to buy real good dirt, we're going to take that dirt out, put it somewhere else in the yard, and replace it with dirt that you can actually do a garden in. So because I didn't listen to Karen's wiring and love language, she didn't get to do her garden this year, and next year she will, but man, come on, Jim, I swear I should learn my lesson. But here, here's the point. It's like I, I have to listen to how she's wired. 
I have to listen, too, to how I'm wired. To have a relationship means understanding your wiring and love language. And, and so I want to ask today, do you know what your love language is with God? Do you, do you know how with God you might express and receive love? Because I think this is so important and critical for us to experience God for ourselves. And I think in some ways the church, and, I, and when I say the church, I mean our church, but other churches, church in general, has made some really big mistakes on kind of communicating that there's only a couple ways to connect with God when we actually have incredibly broad ability to understand, hear, and receive love from our Lord. You know, Bill, um, last week, oh, I just thought this was such a brilliant comment. He said, you know, the greatest commandment, and I hadn't heard a phrase this way before, the greatest commandment by Jesus was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But then Bill said, some of you remember this, Bill said, um, can you imagine if that was God's greatest commandment and yet he made it impossible to do? The greatest commandment somehow doesn't work? No, for, for every person, every single person, I hope you hear it, it's possible. It is possible for every person to experience this relationship with Jesus Christ. God, what kind of God would we have if he would have made it impossible for us to fulfill the thing that he says is most important? So we, we have to live into understanding our own wiring and love language to hear it. And sometimes, like I said, the church has been guilty of giving you just a few narrow things. So today, my goal is to give you a ton and have you leave here trying something. Um, look, I'm going to work off a book by a guy named Gary Thomas. He wrote a book called Sacred Pathways that helps us understand kind of how we're wired. But, but look at one of the comments he makes. It says, the elements that hint at a transcendent reality that we have allowed to remain are surprisingly few. Preaching, so listening to somebody else talk about God. Preaching, Bible study, by the way, very important. Reading your Bible, unbelievably important. This is not to say that these aren't important. It's just to say sometimes we've narrowed into just a few things and he's going he's gonna to broaden us a little bit. Preaching, Bible study, prayer, a symbolic representation of the Lord's Supper, and singing songs. All right, stop and think for a second now. Beyond those things, how else could we connect with God? That's today we want to talk about what are the other ways. As Christians, we've confined ourselves to one corner of the room rather than living in the vast museum of spiritual opportunity. Gosh, we've we got to get out of this one room and we've got to include the whole museum. You gotta go. Yes, I want to. I want to learn how to read my scripture. I want to learn how to pray. Uh, being in community in a church setting is very important. But guys, there's other ways too. There are other ways too to connect to God, and that's how we want to talk today, especially about how you're wired. It's important too because I think for some of us, look, you are. I am uh, wired to find fulfillment in my relationship with God. That's the number one thing that's wired inside of every single one of us. If we're not finding that fulfilling, I guarantee we will try to find that fulfillment in something else. I guarantee, if we're not finding that fulfillment on how we're wired to connect with God, we'll find it in someone else. We'll find it in uh, food, we'll find it in sugar, we'll find it in a credit card, we'll find it in our job, we'll find it in that person that we know that, that is an unhealthy relationship. 
we will, we will look to be fulfilled. You will fulfill yourself with something. Question is, will we learn enough about ourselves to find that fulfillment in our Lord? Uh, look at this comment again. This is from Thomas. He says, finding fulfillment in God is the most powerful antidote to any sin. To step back and say, man, man, if I'm struggling with this, maybe why am I finding fulfillment in that? Maybe I'm not finding my fulfillment in God in the way that I could or should. And so I, I, this is an invitation, not to shame, but to explore then. How do we broaden? How do we move in that room, but then out of that room into the museum? What are the other ways that we can connect to God? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through uh, Thomas says are nine things, nine ways that we are wired to connect with God. Nine different types. And what I'm hoping that you're going to do, I, I hope you'll listen to these. Walk along with me. It, they're printed on the back of the program today too. You can, you can see them right there. I wanna, I'm going to walk through these with you. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to look for yourself. See if you spot you today. And then I want you to leave this place and, and go try something. Put it into practice. Go do something. Especially if you're somebody who's saying, I, I feel like I'm not connecting with God. And it, Sometimes I want to say, well, well, what are you trying to do? Okay? If you want to learn a, a foreign language, you want to learn French, you're not going to learn it by accident. Nobody learns German accidentally. <laughs> you just don't. Nobody does anything actually. You, you have to actually put into practice, if you want a relationship with God where you feel fulfilled by it, even though God's invisible, you actually have to put in practice and try some things. Today I'm going to flood you, I hope, with some ideas. Maybe one of them sticks with you and you actually leave here and, and this week you try it. Okay? All right, so look for yourself and think about, is there one of these I want to try? Okay, first one. There, there's nine types, Thomas says, of how people have love languages to connect with God. And, and so the first one we want to talk about is somebody who is uh, just, he calls it the naturalist. The naturalist is somebody who loves God outdoors. You see this in the Bible like crazy. How many times do you see Jesus indoors? I can think of one. The guy's never inside. He's always out. He's always teaching. He's always talking about sparrows, and he's talking about flowers, and he's talking about foxes. And he's constantly outside teaching, making reference. And what he's doing is he's brilliant in pointing out the fingerprints of God in the creation around him. And how, how many of us, when we go outside, and I know, come on, where you live. I know most of us in this room are, live here for, we love this. But when we go outdoors, are we looking for the fingerprints of God? N notice Jesus isn't outside to worship the outside. Hey, that man, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, makes a huge point of this. That in, in Romans chapter 1, a letter that he writes, he says, look, one of the biggest problems human beings have made is that they have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, for something false. And we have, we have worshipped the created things, rather than the creator. Jesus is not going to do that, but partially because he created it. So it would be very odd for him to worship something that he created. But he doesn't do that. He, he constantly looks and he points out where God is at work in the outdoors. Guys, we can go through the, our time outside on a hike, wherever, 
and we can not see God or we can spend time outdoors actually looking for him. Uh, a few years ago, I was kind of at a time in my life where for some reason there was a psalm and the psalms are a book in the Old Testament that's just this incredible song book, prayer book. There was a psalm that was meaning a, a lot to me. It was Psalm chapter 1. And I started trying to memorize Psalm chapter 1. Uh, and so I'm, I'm go, like every day I'm trying to go through it, memorizing it. Look at, look at this passage here. This is Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the way of God is what that word means, and who meditates on his law, on God's law, day and night. Right? They're, they're rooted in what God's saying. They're rooted in God's way. And then this next part. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Do you see it in your mind? See the tree. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And, and uh, anybody who would have read this back then would have had a picture in their mind of, you know, imagine a farmer out with a little pitchfork doing something with a big thing of hay. And as they lift the hay up, you just see some of the grass in the wind. You see some of the grass just float away. Can you picture that? There it goes. That's what he's saying. That's the image that he's using. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to memorize this because I, I love this picture that, that God, that um, I want to be that tree. I want to be that tree that is rooted in God's way and thinking about God's way day after day. The stream never stops, right? It's always at the root of a tree, a healthy tree. And so I go hiking one day, and I go up uh, to this trailhead up on the uh, very north side of the national park. I get to the trailhead, ready to take off, and it stops me dead in my tracks what I see. And it was so great, I had to stop and I, and I took a picture. And this is the picture that I took. And I went, that is Psalm 1. Right there. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but at the very bottom there, you see the tree that's alive and doing great? There's a, there's a stream, Cow Creek, that's coming down right on its roots. And then, amazingly, it, the tree next to it is about the same exact size, dead as it can be. And the tree next to it is not in the water. And it was, I just went, oh, my God, you just showed me what I've been trying to get in my mind. This idea that I want to be that tree. I want to be that tree that sits and is fed by God like a stream of living water. And just as almost like a little extra gift, there's the dead tree next to it to say, you know, this is not what we want, Jim. We want you, you you can compare the two. But man, I could have walked right by that, right? I could have walked right by that. No, that's, I think what he's saying is a naturalist says, I, God made this. God made this place. Don't just go up there and catch a beautiful trout and not go, man, this thing is so beautiful. It's not by accident. Don't get on a ski lift, chairlift, and, and head up. Man, here, let's just face it. The, one of the greatest sounds in the world is when you're on a chairlift and it's all quiet in the morning. And you're going up that chairlift and you hear the sound of the bar on the cable. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I love that sound. And, and 
you're going up, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a still day, so you're not at Eldora, and you're going up, and, um, and you, you, you look over to the side, and there's just rows and rows of trees, and, you, you know, you got to look past the first one where everybody throws their underwear and their chains on, and you know what I'm talking about, that tree that's off the lift, and so uh, you look past that, and there's all these trees, and they're just frosted. You know that? You know that? In the morning, you just see those trees frosted. Don't do that without understanding the creator. Don't do that without stopping and going, man, that, yes, thank you. Don't worship the created things, but look for the creator. And that's, some of us, that's our love language with God. And how many days have we maybe gone day after day up in the mountains or wherever it is that you love to go, out on the lake, and you've, you've missed that opportunity to go, no, this is actually how I'm wired, to love God through being out in nature. Big thing. All right, that's one. Another one is the sensate. A sensate loves God with all five senses. So um, if you love communion, when we come in and we break bread, and, you know, Jesus did this on purpose. Jesus, Jesus gave people different ways to experience love based on how they were wired. One of them is through communion. You, you break bread, you drink. Like, we're experiencing God with our senses in that moment. You know, we're going to do baptism here in a couple weeks. Man, if you've never been baptized before, it's an incredible opportunity. If you're saying that I want to follow God with my life and you have not been baptized, you really should consider being baptized. It's a way that we say, I'm turning away from this life and I'm turning toward God. And there's this, um, we use our senses to do that. Amazing experience. Um, for, uh, for some of us as a, as a sensate, um, maybe uh, something like if, if, you've, um, if you've ever done Lent before, right? Or you've gone through the season of Lent and you have experienced uh, some sort of sacrifice, Probably with your senses, usually your taste buds. That's how a lot of us do it, right? Recognize if you're a sensate that, that loves those five senses being activated in some way. I have a friend who's a painter. She just loves to paint. She loves getting it. She loves the colors. She loves all that. I, I want to say, like, if you do that, if, you, if you're doing something like that, involve God in it. Part of what I'm trying to say today is looking for how you're wired what you're doing, and stop doing it by yourself. Bring God into those things. Bring God into your painting. Bring God into your art. What, whatever it is that you do that involves your senses, don't, don't put God to the side. There's a reason why you're wired that way. Okay, sensate one, a traditionalist is one. A traditionalist loves God through ritual and symbols. You, you see this in the Bible with uh, Peter, one of Jesus' followers, and John. They had, um, uh, you see in Acts, they had a, a rhythm for their prayer, a time for when they prayed. They loved the tradition of that. It was important to them. Symbols were important to them. Um, hey, let's face it. That can be hard in a church like this. Okay. Um, there's not a whole lot of stained glass around here in this old Sam's Club. Uh, when we were first starting, I had somebody tell me, man, I really, it's really important to me to have stained glass and the tradition of that. And I said, I totally understand. I said, I've just, I got to be honest with you. The, 
only stained glass we're going to have is on Wednesday nights when the middle schoolers play their burrito relays. And it's, it's, it's going to hit those <laughs> glass windows. And so that's probably as far as we're going on the stained glass realm. Um, but, it, it, but for some of us, that's, that's really important. Here, here's an idea. Real practical. Grab your phone. And if you want to find out if you're a traditionalist, uh, one way you can do it is just say this. Say, hey, Siri, set a time for me to pray every day at 2 p.m. Okay. I've created a recurring reminder about pray. Great. Isn't that great? No, I mean, you just, you give yourself reminders. You stop. It's, it, for, for the traditionalists, it's so important to have um, regular time that is a tradition that we set aside. Now, don't let the tradition become what you worship. The tradition is a tool. It's not what you worship. And, man, I have seen that so many times that the tradition becomes what we worship. No, no, no. We worship God and the tradition helps us. Okay, an ascetic. An ascetic loves God through solitude, loves God through simplicity, Loves God through sacrifice. If you want to find out if you're an ascetic, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning, wake up and don't eat breakfast. Skip breakfast tomorrow. And, and every time that hunger comes on you tomorrow morning, instead of going, oh, man, I just didn't get my grape nuts and I'm mad and I'm grab. No, don't, don't think that. Every time the hunger comes on you tomorrow morning, I want you to think, Lord, th- this, this hunger that I have right now is the same hunger I want to have for you. Would you give, would you give me this hunger for you? And that's, a, that's the tradition of fasting. That's a, an ascetic will find that to be something that is really key for your connection to God. Have you ever tried something like that before? If you haven't, you, you might be missing out on the love language that you have with God. Um, one of my heroes of the faith, this guy, uh, his name's Dallas Willard. He died a few years ago, but he wrote just some unbelievable stuff. One of them, oh, one of the things he said that haunts me is he said, you're never, in his mind, you're never going to be uh, as close uh, and as following Jesus as closely as you should or could until you actually spend time extended, intentional time alone. For a guy like me, who's an extrovert, get a lot of energy from that, that's like terrifying. It's dreadful. I'm awful at this. But his point is that you're never going to um, really define yourself by who, what Jesus says about you unless you spend time alone with Jesus. If all you're doing is spending your time with other people, you're, you're generally going to define who you are and what's important in life by the people around you. And Dallas is saying, no, you've got to actually find time on your own if you want to just hear only what God says about you. Now, for me, I'm just not wired this way. Does that give me permission to just say, oh, okay, well, I'm not an ascetic, so I'm out? Now, that would be a big mistake, right? We'd be confining ourselves back into one room again point of this is, guys, as you look through, as I'm talking about these things, if you say, oh, that, no, that's not me, don't write it off. Try it. See, learn, grow in those different ways. Move into the whole museum, not just one little room. All right, another one's an activist. Loves God through doing something. 
Guys, churches, I, I hope this does not sound sexist. I'm going to say it anyway. Churches have lost so many men over the years by only saying that the ways that we connect to God are just through, I, I just, I read my Bible and I pray. Those are so important. But man, I know that a lot of the guys I know want to do something. Gosh, when we go out here next weekend and some of you guys are going to pull out a saw and you're going to be building a deck for somebody who needs help with those Chief Hayes projects, that's, that's an activist. That's a chance to actually do something, to put in motion your faith. You, if you're an activist, you most experience and love God when you're doing something. So important. And so you may be thinking, oh my gosh, um, you know, when it comes to signing up for something like the Chief Hayes Project, it's not just for us to help somebody else. That's huge. But it's also for you to get a chance, especially those of you who are activists, to say, I want to put in motion my faith. And actually, for some of us, that'll be the most connected that you feel to God for sure all week, maybe for a long time. Man, some of us in this room, by building a deck for somebody, you will experience God more in that moment than you do in months and months of listening to me or Bill talk. If you're an activist, put it into action. A caregiver, a caregiver loves God by loving others. And Jesus, oof, so obviously ingrained in his life how he cared for other people. So important when you read the rest of the New Testament, how the tie between loving other people and loving our God. In fact, if you remember the greatest commandment, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then what does he say next? And the second is like it, love other people. That's exactly what he says. He's tying your love of other people to your love of God. Uh, look at what John says in 1 John 4.20. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. That's harsh. If, if we hate another person, we're lying when we say we love God. Why? Because for whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. Or like the NIV says, a different translation says, is, is invisible. To love an invisible God means we need to start with loving visible people. Uh, we have something that we call one-on-one -on -one care. It's a group of people that have committed to being trained on how to care for other people that might be going through a difficult time. Did you know that right now we actually have a wait list for people that want one of the one-on-one -on -one caregivers to walk alongside them? We have a wait list. We, we need people. We need people that are caregivers in this room to step up and say, yeah, I want to I be trained and I want to learn how to do that and then walk through people that need help. That's, that's the caregiver. All right, another one's an enthusiast. An enthusiast loves God through mystery and celebration. If your favorite part of the worship service is not when, when anybody's talking and instead when we are singing, you might be an enthusiast. You might be somebody that um, wants to express to God through joy how you love God. And that's why it's so important for you to feel like in this space or any space, man, if, if, if for you connecting with God and worship while we sing means to close your eyes, if it means to raise your hands in the air, if it means, what, whatever it means for you to feel comfortable and to uh, um, experience God in that moment, worship is so important for that. Uh, another way for an enthusiast, try this. Go uh, 
work with kindergartners on a Sunday morning. You want to talk enthusiasm, get in there. Try middle school on Wednesday night. That's enthusiastic, right? 120 middle school kids. Exper- or, or, or for those of you, listen to the, those of you who are creative, those of you who are entrepreneurs, those of you who like to um, see things get created, man, that's, that's part of what it means to be an enthusiast. Uh, to create something, man, you are walking in the footsteps of God when you create. Talk about uh, crea- the creator. Talk about somebody who's creative. Man, you, when, you're, when you're somebody who creates businesses, creates jobs, that's not off over here outside of your spiritual life. That's in the dead heart of what God has designed you to do. You may be an enthusiast, entrepreneurial creator, and you need to bring God into that and say, man, I, I'm going to take the most, you know, there's a lot of consultants out there on creativity Let's, let's get the most creative being of the universe in with me on this. So huge. All right, a couple more. One's a contemplative. Loves God through adoration. You see this in Mary in the Bible. Mary who comes to Jesus, who sits at Jesus' feet. His, uh, her sister Martha is like, you know, fixing everything and doing it. She's more like me doing stuff. And, uh, but Mary is sitting right there at Jesus' feet. A contemplative of somebody who wants to kind of hold the hand of Jesus who wants that kind of tightness with God. Um, I can't speak to how everybody does that. I'll tell you, this one was higher for me on the list. I'm going to show you a little quiz you can take that will tell you, uh, help, help you discover which one you are. But this one was higher on the list for me. And I realized how important, I, I've got a certain time of day that this works for me. So every morning, 521, don't ask me why, I don't know why it goes off at 521. I think I just accidentally pushed one more time on the, on the button there. 521, my alarm goes off. It's still dark outside. I get up. I go downstairs. I have this chair in my living room, and I have a little light down there. And I get in my chair, and I pull out, um, I pull out, I got this neat little moleskin journal. And I pull it out, and I just start writing and talking to God right here in my journal. And, um, and I, I, I have to write it. Because if I just think about it, I'll, I'll end up thinking about the Rockies or I'll think about Bill or I'll think about, you know, I'll think about something, some, some deal that I've got, an email that I have to write. So I, I write down my prayer to God, right, in my journal every morning. And I actually keep, this might sound really weird, I keep my day timer right there too. I, it's shut, but I keep it right there. And you might say, well, why would you keep a day timer next to you when you're trying to pray? My mind inevitably will think of the email that I forgot or the person that I need to call. And there's incredible freedom for me when that comes into my mind to just write in my day timer, oh, don't forget to call Steve or whatever. And then I can forget it. I'm over it. I can move on. I can go right back to my time where I'm talking to God. Otherwise, if I don't write it down, I'll be thinking about it and it's going to bug me. So that works for me. I just, I write it down and then I go right back it's, and, and get a good pen, okay? It's really important to get a good pen. This is my favorite pen. Don't take it. Um, yeah, the, you know, because it, it just helps me. Just keep writing. And then when I'm done with that, I write, I write out and then I, I talk to God and then I pull out um, this big old Bible. You see how big that is? It's huge. And it's, um, it's a large print Bible, and it's not because I can't see, okay? That's Bill. That's the other pastor. Um, 
No, I can, my eyes are great. But what I do is I, I, get a, I get a big Bible out because what I can do then is I can write stuff in the margins. And so as, I, as I'm reading through my Bible and I see something that's interesting, I write notes on it. I put the date down that I'm reading that passage on it so I can kind of look back and see where I've been and how I got there. Um, but I'm always writing little notes. I listen um, to a guy, I love this guy. Uh, his name's Earl Palmer. He's a um, bi- just Bible teacher. Takes a passage and he just walks through it line by line, word by word. And I'll sit there and I'll listen to him and I'll just make notes. Oh, that's what that word means. It's, it's fantastic. That, for me, I sit there in the morning and I do this and it's this time I have, this contemplative time that I have with God. And it, that's, that's part of what works for me. It may not work for you. And that's okay. My point is, we got to find what is. Okay? Last one is uh, an intellectual. An intellectual loves God with your mind and concepts. It might shock you based on the title of this, but this was the top one that I had. <laughs> um, so I, I just love it when I'm reading something and I'm surprised by something Jesus does. I, I love it when I'm reading something and I like totally, whoa, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And that makes me love God more. That's a primary way that I think God expresses his love to me is when I'm, when I'm reading something or I'm in a conversation with somebody that, that gets on some of, the, of who God is. That is huge for me. Um, here's what I want to ask you to do. Uh, Today on both our Instagram and our uh, Facebook for Ascent, I posted uh, 10 of the top ways uh, or top resources that I have helped me get a glimpse of God in a new way. One of them is the Earl Palmer thing that I mentioned, but there's books on there. I would love for you to get on there. Again, if you're feeling like you're not connecting with God, we'll try something then. Look at, look at these books and pick one out and, and go for it. Maybe, maybe you're an intellectual. This could be an avenue for you to really experience God in a new way um, this week. Okay? So here's what I want you to do. Okay? Those are the nine. Stop for a second. Did one of those resonate with you that you think is you? If you look at that list, do you go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an ascetic or I'm a caregiver? And as you think about then some of the things that we've talked about, what is one thing that you would try to practice this week? To expand your relationship with God. I'd love for you to do this. I'd love for you to do a couple things. First is, um, if, you're, if you're confused after this, in the program, there's a web address. Go to that website. It's actually a church in Atlanta uh, called North Point. It's a great church. It's a web address, and they will have you take a little short quiz, and they'll give you your results instantly that will tell you where you rank of those nine. Go do that. Uh, tomorrow, and, and this will be fun, hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. Tomorrow at noon, I'm going to do a little Facebook Live thing. You can get on Facebook Live, take the quiz. Even if you haven't taken the quiz, you can get on there. Uh, post questions, and uh, for 15 minutes or so, we'll just interact, and I'll uh, give you my thoughts about some of the questions that you've got about this. But take a next step and, and do this. Give it a shot. Or maybe you already know. If you, if you feel like you're already really in tune with this, would you do the favor of helping other people? And so one idea we've got is, we haven't tried this before, so we'll see if this works. I'm hoping it does. Take a quick picture of something, a little saying, maybe a quick video, and, and post it on social media somewhere with the hashtag Invisible God. Just go Invisible God. A lot of our staff are going to do this. So you can get a glimpse at what some of our staff think about how they connect to God. 
get on and do that, and then uh, it'll be a gift to other people here to see, oh, okay, that's how that person connects to God. Here's the point. If you want a great relationship with anybody, and God is no different, you have got to try something new. You have got to inject something new into any relationship that you care about. If Karen and I on our date nights only went to the same restaurant, man, I don't know. But no, next time we go on a date night, we're going to this place in Denver called Steuben's, and I can't wait to get this lobster roll. And it's going to be this great time with Karen and I, and it's going to build our relationship. Try something new with the Lord. Skip breakfast. Try journaling. Get outside and think about it differently. Involve God in how you're painting. Right? If you're doing something creative, bring God into that. There's a million ways. Don't confine yourself to one room. Get into the whole thing. Guys, Jesus Christ did not come and relegate himself to the shame, humility, torture of a cross. He would not have done that for us to feel like we cannot connect to him. Can you imagine? No, he, he did that because he so, so much desires a relationship with each one of us, fulfilling relationship with each one of us. Man, try something this week to draw yourself to him. God, we ask that you help us with this. This is so much easier said than done. I pray that we would have the courage to break out of our routine. I pray that we'd have the courage to try something that um, we've never done before. I pray that we would involve you in areas that we've never thought possible. God, we ask together that um, you would speak to us, that you would show up in unexpected places, and that we would be uh, participants with you. And that even though we cannot see you, that we would experience you. And so, God, I pray that uh, some of these today might help us do just that. We love you and thank you, Lord, for the grace that you show us today. In Christ's name.